It's the Morgan Evans More or Less Pickleball podcast coming at you in three, two, one, boom. My guest today is someone you've probably never heard of. He's a professional player of a sport you may never knew existed. The budding sport of round net, commonly known as spikeball, is much like pickleball was not so long ago. It's in its infancy, trying to find its footing. One of its elites, Kenny Ortega, is joining me today to talk about the sport and his journey towards professional pickleball. Kenny Ortega, how you doing, mate? Morgan, how's it going? Yeah, can't complain. Not too bad for a Slack Tuesday. Nice. So, you are a professional round net player. And for those listeners at home who aren't quite sure what that is, it's uh, generally referred to as spike ball by most of the population. Uh, would that be correct? Yeah, that's true. Most people know it as spike ball or maybe have seen it on you know, ESPN or on YouTube or something. And spike ball is the company that makes the sets and kind of hosts the main tournaments and such. So most people know as that, but the sport itself is technically called round net. Okay, so it's kind of like a uh, hoover and vacuum situation. Yeah, totally. Or like rollerblading oh, yeah. versus roller skating, you know, kind of like that. Ah, okay. Okay. Well, they've, they've done pretty well then, haven't they? Spike balls seem to own the market. Yeah, they have done well, and they sanction all the main kind of the tour series for the competitive play of the game, so... Okay, so could you explain a little bit about um, Roundnet or, or Spikeball? How you began playing it? How do you play it? What's the what's the kind of allure? Yeah, great question. So I started playing it um, in about 2015, and this was my senior year of college, and was finishing up playing soccer in college, and saw a bunch of people playing it on the beach in Southern California, and it looked like a lot of fun. I'd seen it way back when a little you know a handful of years before that but i figured hey i'd give it a try and started playing it with some friends and we just got really hooked on it really quick i mean there's something about diving around uh back then we played a lot in the sand or on the beach you know trying to make defensive plays and having long rallies so that's what kind of what initially drew me to the sport and then at that point, I didn't even know it was really a sport or it was, I just thought it was kind of for fun. And then I found out there was a tournament in San Diego and I ended up going to that and we just got crushed. <laughs> but I saw that there were people, they were filming it and it was, they were just about to be on Shark Tank. And there's people from all over the country that had flown in to go to that tournament. And I realized, whoa, man, there's some great athletes playing this. There's people that take this pretty serious. I think I could get pretty good at it. So I started playing at it, and luckily there's a lot of people who play in the California area and started going to some more tournaments, started doing a little bit better. And then at that regionals, you know, about five or six months later, I had a pretty good result. And that kind of was the springboard of, hey, I want to start going to some more tournaments. I think I can kind of do this at the top level. And then about 2016, started to have some success. 2017, have some major success at the top level. So. Okay, so it took you a couple of years to turn professional, so to speak. Yeah, I would say about a year of playing it kind of and getting used to it and playing a little more serious. Uh, and then I 
kind of had a couple breakout tournaments uh, with a couple with my partner at the time. And then we just kind of repeated that at some other places. We played in like Alabama and Colorado at some big tournaments. And once we started doing that, it was like, okay, it wasn't a fluke, like a one-time they've put back-to-back results. And then we started getting power ranked inside the top 10 teams in the country and kind of just had more success from there. Okay. So it is the kind of sport that players around America, you know, travel to various destinations to compete at the, uh, at the pro level. Yes. However, I would say it's spike ball is it's still around it. It's still in its infancy and yeah, people travel, but it's not like pickleball where at the top, top that people to my understanding are able to, I mean, there's a lot more cash and a lot more money involved. And, you know, for the last couple of years, there's been a like Spike Ball Elite is the top eight teams and they sponsor them and had a couple other sponsors as well. So that helped to kind of break even with costs of flying and, and traveling and such. And then, you know, there's some some cash for the, the bigger tournaments to to get back, but it's really not a lot, which, you know, is kind of a semi draw away, not the main thing for me, but it was, you know, after traveling a lot and kind of just breaking even it was fun but not likely to retire on the uh, the prize money <laughs> by no means it'll, it'll cover the hotel and the in the plane flight but that's about it <laughs> okay so it was a, a labor of love yeah totally so oh, that's cool but then uh, as i hear it you moved to boise around about a year ago and found pickleball tell us a little bit of how that happened and so i had played pickleball a handful of times back in San Diego um, with one of my good friends and colleagues. And, you know, I was still playing round net at the highest level and yeah, kind of committed to kind of doing that for the foreseeable future. But then COVID hit and my wife and I had actually decided we were going to move to Boise prior to that. Yeah, that kind of the string of those events led to me not playing as much round net in Boise specifically, just not a lot of players to play with. And kind of like most sports, you need at the top level, you kind of need those other high level players to push you or to train with to continue to stay at that level or to get better. And I really didn't have the access to that once I moved to Boise. However, I started seeing a bunch around a bunch of parks. Uh, this was the summer of 2020. Uh, a bunch of people playing pickleball. And I was like, man, it is popping here. I don't know. When I was in San Diego, I hardly ever saw anyone playing pickleball. Um, but here, there's tons of people playing. And I liked it when I had played. So I started uh, showing up and just playing pickup and found myself staying for hours at the park, just playing with generally an older crew of people, but I had a lot of fun. And then once I started doing good, after a couple of months, I started getting invited by some of the younger crew of people that play a little bit more serious around here. And yeah, it just got hooked. And that whole season, the 2020 season for the Spike Bowl Tour Series was canceled. And so that really kind of took away my motivation to keep training around that and kind of opened the door of man, hey, pickleball is a lot of fun. There's there's tons of tournaments all around the country, which is cool. And it sounds like some of them are more accessible or, or even open. And so it motivated me to keep playing. And I just really got hooked. I loved it. I, was, I also have always loved table tennis and never played it competitively, but was always good enough to beat all my friends. And so I think that helped. I, I yeah, it was just like a life-size table tennis. Like, man, this is a ton of fun. There's a lot of strategy to it. 
yeah, and now I'm I'm totally hooked and, you know, trying to enter the full scene of, of pickleball. Firstly, I'm sure you're, uh, all your friends are going to listen to this and they're going to re-challenge you uh, <laughs> with ping pong. So just be careful, you know, they might come out of the woodworks. That's true, Morgan. Actually, since I've, <laughs> I've been playing pickleball, my ping pong game has gotten pretty bad, actually. The stroke of playing pickleball has like, <laughs> destroyed my ping pong game. So Yeah, you can't, can't have it all, unfortunately. When I, was, when I was coming up in pickleball, I was still trying to play a little bit of tennis, and at some point, something had to give and right. uh, had to choose the pickle. So what's your, uh, what's your plan? You, you know, you've been a professional player in something else and there's very few kind of crossover players. This is the main reason you're on the, on the show. Aside mm-hmm. from that, so I want to kind of pick your brain in terms of how the professional organization works and what pickleball might be able to learn. But as an athlete, we have some top tennis players coming in. There's no one who's playing professional tennis and there's no one who's playing professional uh, table tennis or to my knowledge, any, anything else. And right. also a professional pickleball player. You know, generally they've uh, retired at that level and then they get into pickleball. But are you going to try and yep. do both, do you think? Are you, you seem like someone who, you know, wants to get to the top. Yeah, no, that's a great question, Morgan. I'm sure my wife will listen back to this and um, <laughs> I know she won't let me do both, even if I um, aspired to do both. But the reality is, yeah, I'm definitely in the phase of, Pretty much, yeah, like closing the door and, and being at peace within myself with letting round net go and having a lot of peace about that. Mainly, there's a couple different reasons why, but the main one and one reason why I really have got super excited about pickleball and the future of me just being able to play it is I, I want to compete in sports. I've always loved sports, but I want to be able to do it for a long time and the reality of injuries and body, you know, getting, it's not as easy as you get older. And mm. I've had a handful of ankle injuries in my past from mainly college soccer and such, but round it is really hard on your body and it's a ton of diving and tons of cutting. And yeah, I, it's just hard on my body. I was like, man, I, even if pickleball didn't come into my life, I was probably looking at a couple more years and I was probably going to, just call it after that because it's just hard, hard on the body. A tournament day would just, I would feel sore and pain all over the body mm. and pickleball, you know, you see people in their seventies, eighties, like, and they're still playing. And that was exciting to me that, Hey, even, you know, I might have a run at, at the competitive circuit for a while. And then even after that, I could still play this game. That's a ton of fun with hopefully, you know, my kids or whoever down the road at a later age and just still have a lot of fun playing a sport. And so there's not a lot of sports like that, really. You know, it's like, you're not going to play soccer into your, into your fifties and sixties, you know, basketball, like those sports just get pretty hard to do at a later stage and pickleball. I feel great playing ever since I've transferred over and been playing numerous times a week. I can find myself playing back to back to back days for multiple hours and feel pretty good, which just wasn't the case with most other sports just on my ankles. So that's one of the main shifts. And I'm pretty much at that stage where it's like, I'm going to let round net go. I was considering maybe still going to like nationals this year, but um, there's so many pickleball tournaments that are out there and I'm like, I'm hooked. So I'm, I'm, I'm realizing that the transition is here and I'm, I'm excited about it actually. Have you, uh, have you told Josh you're going to let him go as a partner? Yeah. So Josh and I, we talked actually 
a little bit ago, knowing that just with my job as well, and the shift of uh, spike ball tournaments being to a two-day format, um, a Saturday and a Sunday, it made it even harder for me to be able to commit to those tournaments, not getting back till like late on a Sunday, just with Mm. my with my job. And so that was hard. And so I let them know, Hey, I could only do a couple tournaments, even if I was going to do tournaments this year and kind of gave them the green light to find another partner and kind of play loosely what I was going to do if I was going to make my way to a couple tournaments. And I played in one this last week in Seattle and had a lot of fun, but really, you know, if you don't train at a sport for even four or five months, you know, it's hard to it's hard to stay at that top, top level. For sure. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm at that stage where it's like, I might play one more, maybe two more, but I'm pretty much transitioned and, and I feel good about it. And I, I felt even after this last week, it was like, man, I had a lot of fun playing, but I really like playing pickleball more. And my body feels a lot better after a pickleball tournament than it does around that tournament. <laughs> and I'm sure the, uh, the missus doesn't miss uh, trying to clean the blood out of your clothes after uh, around that <laughs> tournament. <laughs> yeah, sure. She doesn't like hearing me uh, complain about my whole body hurting. So, so what's, your, uh, what's your current sort of level in, in pickleball? How long do you think it's going to take you to, to get to the top? And I, I want to know what the plan here is. Yeah, right now I'm... You know, had a lot of success at the 5-0 level, particularly men's doubles. My partner and I, uh, he's from Boise, so we get to play a good amount together and drill together. And, um, you know, my first tournament was in March in Utah at a, uh, at a 5-0 men's, and we got second in that. And then, cool. Who was your partner? His name is Nick Peterson. Yeah, he's a great, great player in, in the Boise area. And, yeah, we've kind of just continued off that success. We got second at uh the pacific northwest regional in boise in the men's 5-0 so we just just missed getting the golden ticket for that but then we had yeah another uh successful tournament up in quarter lane a couple weekends later and um took first in the men's 5-0 and actually got to play uh rob barnes and um and his brother and so yeah it was a good time we beat him in the final so okay so you're gonna try to uh compete as a pro fairly soon (laughs) that's right yeah, so having success there and then, um, yeah, looking, we're looking to test the waters for sure in the open divisions coming up the rest of the summer and into the fall. So excited for kind of that new challenge. Awesome. Okay, who are your training partners and what's your kind of drill to play ratio? We've got to get into the nuts and bolts here. Sure, man. yeah. And maybe I'll even just ask you what, what your pointers are and your tips are on that since you've, you've done it. So I play probably three times a week three to four, and then drill at least once and sometimes drill twice a week. I like to mix in some some weightlifting and kind of getting back into a little bit of that, but I haven't been making the time for that because I just like being out on the court and getting touches. So, you know, playing about five to six times a week total, but drilling at least once or twice. Okay. And your kind of style of game, do you tend to play fairly aggressive? Are you into the the soft game? How do you find most points ending? Well, when I play with Nick, I'm a shorter stature man. And hey, me too. Great. Yeah. <laughs> Power to us for doing it. <laughs> I, you know, I had a, I've always had a lot of success um, coming out of my round net career of defense, being a great defensive player and just reading the ball well, 
yeah, in, in round net, you have to react extremely fast to be able to get a defensive touch on someone's hit because it's 360 degrees to where you can hit the ball. And mm. so with only two people being able to cover 360 degrees, it's extremely challenging. But I had a lot of success in that. And I think the footwork from soccer and round net translated over really well that I can keep the ball in play pretty well and pretty consistently i feel really confident about you know my my dinking has improved a ton and and really from the back court i'm working my way up to the kitchen line i feel really confident in that the back area and the middle ground um, with resets and such and so nick tends to be a more he's more of the aggressor of the two of us which works out well i like to be consistent and he likes to you know take some chances and try to speed it up or put the ball away. So we found, we found good success with the, with the mix of that. Um, I'm definitely trying to continue to work on my deceptiveness and choosing moments to be aggressive. I think playing mix has helped me um, a bit just in social play and such, just being a lot more aggressive when it comes to playing mixed doubles. So that's kind of where my skills right now but i'd say my forte and my strengths are definitely my defense and my my drops from the back back court um, and working my way up to the dinking line or the kitchen line nice that's always a, a great luxury for a partner to have someone who is aggressive if you know that the guy standing next to you is going to dig out everything. And, right. I've, and I've watched a lot of round net uh, footage in preparation for this and some of your games. And it's uh, it's quite amazing how quickly you know you can move and block something. But also the, how late you hold a, a diving kind of move to get that much more shallow angle onto the ball. So mm. are you going to bring some diving onto the pickleball court? It's it's been done. It's been done before. <laughs> I've seen a couple of highlights of people diving on the court. Rob Cassidy is is the king. I don't know if you've ever seen Rob Cassidy play, but he leaves yeah. DNA everywhere. I've had a couple of those moments in play, uh, but you know, try to avoid the concrete is a little bit different than uh, the grass or the sand. So. <laughs> You know, not as uh, excited about diving around on the pickleball court. <laughs> well, you should, you know, just wear a couple of knee pads, elbow pads. There was a guy uh, who got no, he got named uh, Proposal Dave, and he would always get down on one knee when someone was about to hit an overhead, literally. Right. And he would just stand there and do his best to block it back. But it was amazing <laughs> how often he actually did it. Uh, wow. He, he used knee pads. But um, you could totally do it, man. You could make a name for yourself quickly as that guy that always dives around the court. <laughs> yeah, that's good. I'll have to, I'll have to think about that. It's a good, uh, good way to get my name out there. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, so training partners. Yes, you, you're talking about, um, in fact, you play three times a week and you drill. For a lot of players, if you're up and coming, if you flip that ratio, you're probably, probably going to accelerate your development. So to a lot of people around 80-20 towards drilling is kind of key. And you're better off, honestly, with one player that you really trust to be going in the same kind of path as you. I, right. I like to have someone I know can compete or beat me in terms of hand speed and you know start a lot of heads-up battles with them in a drilling scenario and get your hand speed up to, uh, up to snuff that way. And then sure. someone else, ideally if it's the same person, but someone else perhaps who can, uh, who can work you around in the dinking department mm. do enough of that and just mix in your games to give you a kind of a chance to practice the things you're working on in your drilling scenarios under a little bit of pressure right no that makes sense yeah and i feel like that has been a helpful aspect of my partner nick of being able to 
we feel like we both want to excel and kind of get to that that next level and being able to push each other to do that together as you know he's been playing for about a year and a half and i've been playing for just over a year that's been a fun aspect to have that and then also some veterans as well like susanna Barr. i've learned a lot playing against her and drilling with her so it's been helpful for sure to have some great players in the area to to drill with, to see their skill sets and the different style of play as well nice. is really helpful. Yeah. So is uh, is Kyle Thame still up there playing? I think he's up there, but I'm not sure if he's playing. Yeah, you know, we played. I played a handful of times with Kyle. We played him in that that regional tournament actually, but I know he hasn't been able to get out as much as he'd like. But yeah, we definitely have connected a couple of times. So looking to play more with him because. Great guy and a great player. So I know he's been out of it for a little bit, but he's trying to get his toes wet again, I think. Good, good, good. We miss him. He's a good bloke. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. We're going to hold it just briefly there for a medium tip from our sponsor, Coach Me Pickleball. Think of the growth of your game in the same way that you think about the growth of your body. To grow muscles, to become stronger, more powerful, you need to test yourself stress those muscles so that they adapt and grow. Think of a tournament as a workout. You're stressing yourself so that your body and mind are put to the test, one that they are more than likely going to fail at some point. A tournament is the ultimate training to failure workout. Even the winner has played to failure because there is no one left to play. I sometimes think of professional players as just the people that got the furthest in school. At the end of each year of school, a student sits exams. If they pass, they move on. If they don't, try again. What chance would you have of passing the 11th grade exam if you never took exams from K through 10? No chance. Imagine now you just passed 10th grade, but the world has a virus-related blip, and when you wake up, all the 9th graders are smarter than you. Not long ago, we lost the privilege of pressure. Tournaments. They are our exams. They are our workouts. Now they're back, bigger and better. The weights got heavier, the algebra test just became calculus, and there's a whole bunch of people realizing the game didn't just step forward, it took a leap. So what should you do? That's what you want to know, right? That's what we all have in common. We all want to get better, and we don't want to get worse. So what do you do? Here's what you do. For the next three or four minutes, I'm going to spell it out for you. I'm going to give you the cheat sheet, okay? If you like it, you can take it. If not, just bring it right on back. To become a better player, you need to find out where you are strong and where you are weak. The only way to do that is to sit your exam, play a tournament, and get your report card. Take that report card and hit the drawing board. Record your matches so that your drawing board is accurate and not your ego just throwing your partner under the bus. Do this again and again. The more you do it, the more feedback you get, so the faster you can adapt your training to solve the current puzzle of whatever level you've got right now. Don't succumb to the temptation of training every day. You're not 12 years old, and your body is like day-old rice. Unless you warm it up, eh, it's just not going to go well. Remember, stress plus rest equals growth. The equation doesn't work without rest. To find the right amount of training, you need to listen to your body and then ignore your own perspective of your body and look at the facts. What's your lean muscle mass? What's your max VO2? How are you measuring your speed? Don't you dare trust yourself on that. Do court sprints and record your times. How well are you sleeping? How well are you sleeping during tournaments? Does your diet have to change when you're on the road? 
what kind of ratio of electrolyte to water works for you. How does your body respond to the additional glycogen in the days before the tournament? In short, know thyself. Get fit to play pickleball. Don't play pickleball to get fit. You're just asking for an injury that will end up costing you a lot more time in the long run. Every year, take at least two to four weeks off without touching a paddle. Seriously, you're addicted and you need to put the pipe down once in a while. Don't let this game become you. You're more than that, whoever you are. You've got to do at least one other thing that gives you meaning. Doesn't matter if it's stamp collecting or hiking the Andes, just do it. Even if for no other reason than the fact that you really don't want the kind of crushing weight of self-expectation that only exists when your pickleball now defines you. Also, you'll lose fewer friends if you have a spare subject matter up your sleeve at the next intervention. Learn the names of the referees. Be nice to them. Let them feel comfortable and in charge. If you're a naturally combative schmuck and your ego won't let you accept defeat, then, well, don't do that. That sucks for everyone. In fact, tag someone you know that this describes. Call them out. Find a way to enjoy the event, not just the tournament. That's different for everyone. For you, it might be sightseeing, going to the beach. For me, it's drinking in a new location. It doesn't matter. If you can enjoy this moment in your life, then you'll be more than likely to want to do it again, regardless of the outcome of the tournament. Whatever happens, just think of a tournament as a stepping stone, a teacher, but not your magnum opus. You'll only know when that day was in hindsight, many years from now when you hang up the paddle. Do these things. Wear sunblock. And, uh, oh yeah, sign up for Coach Me Pickleball. That, that should really help. Well, there you have it, folks. That's the best I can do for you. Let's head back over to Kenny, see what's going on with RoundNet. So in Pickleball, we have a couple of competing tours, the APP and the PPA. Uh, right. In RoundNet, there appears to be just a, the governing body, the, uh, the Spikeball RoundNet Association that runs pro divisions and also sanctions other tournaments. Has there ever been any, any uh, competing tour? Yeah, you know, there's the URA, which is the Utah Roundnet Association, and they host a ton of tournaments, and they have a pretty big following in Utah. There's a lot of people that play Roundnet in Utah, and they've actually branched out even this year with hosting tournaments just on the West Coast, so some in California and Idaho, actually, so they're not just doing Utah anymore, but they're they're definitely expanding. And so there's that. There's a California kind of tour series, like it's called the Caser. And so they they do a little bit as well. And there's individual um, international kind of federations or associations that have their own kind of tour series, if you will. Okay. And are they are they operating under the umbrella of the SRA? Or is it are they just completely separate and don't really mind uh, if they're sanctioned or not? They work together. Um, there are so there's a tournament, for example, in Salt Lake City in a in a couple of weeks, and it is part of the URA kind of tour series, but it's also one of the major spike ball uh, sanctioned tour series tournaments. So they've kind of partnered on that together, and so there is there is some crossover. I think yeah, they're independent in a sense, but they also. They, they tend to work, Spikeball, the company, likes to work with them and, and promote and even encourage, you know, leagues or series to be started in different areas because 
you know, it's helpful for them regardless. The more people that are playing, um, more people that are getting into tournaments, the better for their their companies. So. Yeah, yeah. The rising tide raises all boats, right? Yeah. Okay, so for the most part, that people they're all kind of playing nice, which is which is good to hear. It hasn't always been that way in uh, in pickleball. We we have some really? little controversy, little competition between two tours, but okay. uh, I have noticed that they are individually getting better at their tours because of each other i think if if there was only one and they've got a monopoly then it's uh, might not be the same so sure I'm curious where it's heading have you been to a professional pickleball tournament if it's considered an app or a ppa i have not actually tonight i'm actually driving out to bend oregon for i believe the the tournament in bend is an app um yeah. so yeah so excited that will be my first yeah experience at one of those and playing so we're playing the the men's 5-0 tomorrow morning, and then we've got the men's open on Thursday. So excited, excited for that, that experience, and uh, yeah, test our game where it's at right now against some of the pros. Nice. All right. Well, I'll be uh, I'll be keeping a look at the brackets, see how you go. Thank you. Tell me a little bit about the, the rating and or ranking system in RoundNet. Is there a rating system yeah. or is it purely rankings? You know, it's more so ranking. So in most tournaments... You know, you've got your beginner, intermediate, advanced, and then what's called premier. And then now there's pro division. And so there's different divisions. Uh, you have to qualify. I guess there's now also one called contender, which is in between advanced and premier slash pro in order to become a premier slash pro player to qualify to play in those divisions you have to enter into the contender division and finish top three or top four, depending on the tournament. And then your premier status lasts for about a year from the last tournament that you qualified for, essentially. And so that's kind of the distinction of how players are rated based on what they've qualified for, what divisions they play in. And then at the top level, there's kind of like a, a governing body that does rankings. And so there's Team rankings, kind of power rankings is what they call it. They do it, you know, every every other month based on tournament results and mainly from the big tournaments. And then there's also kind of individual player ratings that go out, voted on by a committee, then also by the community of players at the end of the year, kind of the end of the year accolades and such. Hmm, okay. So to actually be classed as a professional player, you have to go through uh, this contender series break into the premier premier slash pro are, are they kind of class the same thing or is premier under pro you know there's a handful of premier players there's a lot of premier players and i would say there is a distinction between premier and pro now the way that you would classify i guess a pro would be if they played for me i don't know if it's the same standard for everyone but if they played in the pro division at a tournament so usually from a premier, they take the top eight, or it's changed over the years. So they take the top eight premier ranked teams of that tournament, and they'll be in the pro division. Or they have a large premier bracket, they do pool play, and then the top, again, usually the top eight that come out of pool play are then slotted into a single elimination pro division bracket. And then also you have to qualify at nationals, the top 16 teams at the end of the season, we'll qualify it for nationals. And usually you get a pro bid for that by finishing top two 
at one of the pro divisions of one of the tournaments during the year. So I would consider that kind of the pro level players. There's about 16 teams, you know, that, that have earned that status of playing pro division at nationals or some have snuck into the, you know, pro division during a tournament. And then there's kind of the, the elite class, I guess, is spike ball elite, which is at the end of the year, they take the top eight teams, whoever had your best, your best three or five finishes on the year, most points, those will be the top eight teams. And those are sponsored by spike ball as spike ball elite for the following year wow. or season. That's cool. It actually, you know, it sounds kind of organized. And, you know, all the pickleball listeners that are, have just heard what you just explained, it, it seems to make great sense. And it's not something we're used to in pickleball. So I do hope the powers that be uh, were listening to this because from what you just said, it seems like an organized way to firstly classify professionals and run an effective league. One thing I, I did check out and was very curious about was the strength multipliers. I, mm. I saw that there is a, a system in place in RoundNet for basically having a more accurate rating or ranking system based on the strength of the competition in each tournament. Right. Could you explain a little bit about that? Or Yes, totally. So essentially, I don't know all the algorithms that going into that, but basically a tournament, it can be worth one would be like the equal amount of points for that tournament, um, or they multiply it by 1.1 or 1.2, probably up to, I believe, 1.3. And like you said, it's based on the strength of the players that are competing in that tournament at the premier slash pro level. And so if you look at how is that rated, it's based off the season before of the total points that each player individually had from their results at tournaments. And so, for example, you know, a tournament that has, it's got 20 of the top 30 players in the country based off their points from the previous season and their results, that would be probably a pretty high, like a 1.2 or 1.3 multiplier because 20 of the top 30 players in the world are at that tournament competing, um, which means it's going to be a pretty intense tournament as opposed to maybe you've only got, it's a tour stop, which means there's still the same amount of incentive as another one. But if there's only five players or six players out of the top 30 players in the country at that tournament, the result of that team getting whoever gets first as opposed to the other tournament, it's not going to now because of the multiplier or the negative aspect. I think if the, the tournament's weak, there's also, it won't get full points awarded to the team that wins. Um, there'll be like a, a multiplier of 0.9 or 0.8 um, if it's a weaker tournament. So that to help really with those points, again, the points play a major factor in who makes pro division at nationals, who makes spike ball elite at the end of the year. So I think it's just spike ball's way of kind of making, yeah, because of tournament location, et cetera, mm. really the true top teams hopefully would will get the right points for the right tournament based on the competition that's there. I like it. It's uh, borderline genius, I'd say. Yeah, I think uh, in theory, it's it's a great idea. There's definitely nuances and maybe, you know, slight cracks in it uh, in some ways. But overall, I think it's it's a good idea. Beautiful. All right. So you've got a tournament, a pickleball tournament coming up this weekend. Are you signed up for nationals? What's What have you got for the rest of the year? How can, how can our esteemed listeners find you on the courts? 
<laughs> yeah. So, I mean, being in Boise and I like to go to the tournaments that are hopefully semi-drivable. So I believe there's a, there's a good tournament that Steve Deacon is hosting in October in Idaho Falls. So that's an in-state. So that's a definite yes. My family and I was raised in San Diego, California. And, you know, there's a handful of tournaments I'm sure you're aware of in the Newport Beach area, some of those invitationals. So I think the plan is to make make way to some of those tournaments in Newport, kind of in the September, October, or November range. I'd have to look back at the calendar. And then, yeah, Nationals, I did get a golden ticket for mixed at the regional. So the intent is to go. However, my mixed partner is unavailable to go. So Hey, since I'm on your podcast, maybe I'll throw it out. If there's any any females that are looking to go to nationals, you didn't get a golden ticket and mix, but you want to play, I think we'd do great. So if uh, if you've got some skill and you want to compete at a high level, try and win that together, maybe uh, message me or reach out. And yeah, I'd love to play. So okay. intending to play nationals together. Yeah. All right. Okay. So we'll uh, we'll make sure... We put a link in the podcast release so people can find you. And uh, I assume you're looking for a 5-0 girl? So I have only played one tournament for mixed. My men's doubles rating is above 5-0. Uh, but since that only one I played, and it was with a newer partner, we played 4-5 at that regional and and won that. So I okay. believe we have to play the 4-5 for, for the mix. You don't have to. You'll have to play whatever your rating is when it comes time. Oh, I, think okay. I think there's a particular date and what you are then is what you play. So if your rating right now is 4-5, then you might still be playing 4-5 in nationals. But if you have a couple of great results between now and then and you bump up to 5-0, then it's, uh, that's what you'll be. Yeah, no, that's where I'd prefer to play. I just haven't... You know, it's kind of hard to find a mixed partner. So I've only only played one mixed uh, tournament or competed in the mixed doubles at a tournament. But yeah, I would love to find a equal caliber female to play a lot more 5-0 tournaments. Well, so. you, sh- you should ask Susanna Barr. She's really nice. I'm, I'm, <laughs> sure, I'm sure she'll say yes. <laughs> yeah. I think she's a little, she's booked out, I think, for the rest of the year yeah, with a partner. Tell me about it. Jeez. I've, uh, I've always <laughs> wanted to play with her. All right. Well, Kenny, thank you so much for your time, mate. You've enlightened me in this, uh, this sport of round net and how the, uh, the kind of parallels can be drawn between pickleball and round net. They're both kind of one of those fringe sports where so often it's kind of the sport you encounter when you're on the way at a park to play another sport like tennis, soccer, or, or basketball. And uh, right. yeah, who knows when it'll really break into the, the mainstream and hit the Olympics. But I'd love to see one weekend where you play in a pickleball tournament and a round net tournament and, uh, and fans from both sides will come and cheer you on. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if those those days would have to come really soon because, um, <laughs> as you said, it's hard to do both. But I'm with you. I like to see uh, pickleball. I think it's on its way to to be. Why not in the Olympics? I think it's 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 on its way. So good stuff. Until then, we could possibly uh, invent a hybrid sport. Basically, a round net. Uh, instead of using your hands, you use paddles and a ball. What do you think? Yeah, you know, a couple of people have tried that out actually with pickleball paddles. And does it work? It works. You know, it's uh, it's you know, you might be a little more prone to taking a, a paddle to the face um, oh, yeah. than you would prior, but you know, it's a good little fun little cross activity, cross sport training. Okay. You know. And what do you think, pickle spike or spike pickle? 
<laughs> or round pickle. round pickle. Round pickle. Round pickle. All right. Yeah, I think we got it. <laughs> All right, we nailed it. Good stuff, mate. Well, how can our uh, how can our people find you? Do you have like a, a handle of some kind, a social media presence that people can sure. uh, can get a hold of you? Well, if you're curious at more about Roundnet, um, again, I'm not playing nearly as much anymore. Um, but if you're curious of what what is the top level of of Roundnet look like? My old team account is on Instagram is Mammal Roundnet. That's just one one line. And then if you're curious on following just me personally and my journey of transitioning from Roundnet to Pickleball and seeing how far I can go with Pickleball, my Instagram account is Kenny Ortega Co. So Kenny Ortega Co. Okay. Yeah, that's me, Morgan. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for your time, mate. I look forward to catching you on the courts. Yeah, I love to hopefully we cross paths soon. Yeah. So that'd be fun. Definitely. All right, bud. Take care of yourself. All right. Say hi to the family. Thanks, Morgan. Yeah, I will. Appreciate it. All right, mate. Cheers. This podcast was powered by Selkirk. This podcast is also brought to you by the next generation of Selkirk Paddle, the Vanguard. As always, it's been an honor and a privilege to have your company. Hope you've enjoyed the show. I'm Morgan Evans, and this has been more or less round that. I mean, pickleball. Bugger. God, we're just changing lives out here.